I'm Christina Jurekides, and we're committed to making the seemingly impossible possible. We stand at the intersection of the values of humanity with the value of technology. Inspire for Impact, the podcast, is a place where we have conversations with inspirational entrepreneurs, community leaders, and representatives of organisations who are boldly creating a future by design. The good, the bad, the warts, and the inspiration. We're leading the way to be the change we want to see in the world. Conversations that bring to light the magic that is happening on a daily basis all over the globe. And welcome to another episode of Inspired for Impact. Today we are talking to some amazing female entrepreneurs and listening to Teresa from Madrid who has conducted a study on what it means to be a female entrepreneur in the digital world. So without further ado, I'm actually going to ask our panellists to introduce themselves uh, longtime colleague and dear friend Francisca, would you like to introduce yourself and tell our audience a couple of interesting little things about yourself? Yeah, I would. I would love to. So my name is Francisca, and I have an accent, <laughs> apparently a big one, because I'm a Swazi, Swiss Australian. I was born in Switzerland, moved to Sydney, Australia, 16 years ago, and so now I consider myself a Swazi and. When I moved here back home, I studied marketing and political science. And then I moved to Sydney when I was working in advertising. And from there, I realized that, you know, that industry is is great to learn, but it's not one that I felt like I'm making an impact. I always wanted to work for the United Nations instead and felt like I'm not really fulfilling my purpose. So 11, 12 years ago, I started my first business called Basic Bananas. And at Basic Bananas, we help small business owners to understand how to market their businesses. So it's a mentoring organization. And then started Ocean Lovers, which is my passion business. With Ocean Lovers, we our purpose is to motivate the masses to help us save the oceans. And we do that through different programs. We have ocean cleanups. We have programs in kindergartens. And the product we have is a surf suit made from recycled plastics. And I met Teresita through Christina, uh, I think last this year or beginning of this year, I think. And yeah, that's long story short. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. And thank you for being on the podcast. And I know you have some amazing things to share about being a female entrepreneur. Rebecca Granger, please introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, I'm Rebecca, the founder of Trio. My background is recruitment and having spent over a decade uh, recruiting um, for companies, I realized that women were falling into a black hole when they became parents. And it was simply because they were disconnected and disengaged. The employer and manager were forgetting to keep in touch with them when they were on leave. So um, Trio is a connectivity platform. We started out supporting organizations with parental leave to simplify the way they connect and communicate. And now we've expanded across any form of workplace transition and leave, which um, includes mental health, work, workers' compensation and secondments. And you certainly have a history as being a female entrepreneur and all the wonderful things that you've done, which will unfold during this interview. So thank you for joining us. And my dear friend and SU colleague, Teresa Alacos, for all the way from Madrid, uh, where it's eight o'clock in the morning. Teresa, welcome. And tell us a little bit about yourself and the research program that you undertook. Yeah, okay. So thank you so much for this invitation. I'm so happy to be with uh, three great entrepreneurs. 
and the fourth that is hidden. Uh, so uh, my name is Teresa Larcos. Uh, I am a, a board member of several uh, companies, tech companies in general. And uh, like six years ago, I, I found that uh, there were many women that were unknown and had really amazing business models. So uh, I decided to, to run a study about what are women doing, what kind of enterprise are developing and launching. And uh, I created a nonprofit organization to give visibility to, to women. Then I, I made a deep study in order to help uh, women to be a part of this uh, uh, technological revolution as we are a minority in, in uh, this industry. There, there is, uh, the data says that there is just 17% uh, uh, of the, the startups are led or co-led by, funded by women and only solo woman is 4%. So we are a minority and we need to be a part of this movement because the ESG number five uh, need to be enlarged uh, if we want to fulfill the other 17, the other 16 uh, ESGs. Otherwise, uh, this uh, agenda of the United Nations is going to be uh, um, a little bit uh, uh, with, uh, not, we, we are not going to have half of the talent and. Uh, we are not going to fulfill the goals of, of this uh, ambitious agenda. So I, I run also uh, a huge event called Inspiring Women Leaders in the Digital Era, in which Christine has been running and moderating the international uh, learnings of, of best practices of uh, programs uh, in different countries all over the world, in the five continents. Um, we try to, to influence the society so that they, they, uh, they learn from these best practices and case studies that are amazing, that, but are hidden. So uh, this is my story. Um, I, I hope uh, you enjoy the data that we are going to talk about uh, during this uh, conversation. Thanks, Teresa. And I'd, I'd love you to, to tell our readers a little bit more about the research. So how did the research come about and what were some of the major findings? from the research that you undertook? Okay, so the major findings, well, the objectives were to know uh, which is the profile of woman that is uh, doing entrepreneurship. Then what kind of technology these uh, companies are using. Then the third, uh, uh, how are these companies, the, the size, uh, the, the, if they are operating internationally, etc. And then we compare them with uh, with uh, the men uh, startups, and then the barriers that women have in order to, to, to start an a, a entrepreneurship project. So these were the objectives. Uh, what we found is that a woman that uh, is doing entrepreneurship, uh, and it coincides with, uh, with other countries, and they have written me for, from many countries, from, from Germany, from France, uh, a woman is an international profile, and like you, uh, at least they have been living in two countries. They have uh, a very high degree. They have very good education. They have a master's degree, or they have a 90% of the cases. The, um, they have a master's degree in 70% of the cases. Uh, they, they have uh, done more than one entrepreneurial uh, project 
one out of four. So they are there are one out of, out of four serial entrepreneurs. Imagine. So this is the culture of innovation. When you fail, you learn, and then you just go on and on until you find your purpose. You find uh, what you like. And woman uh, uh, is biased a little bit because people think that the entrepreneurship of woman is social entrepreneurship, and it's not true. We do everything. We are in all industries. We are in prop tech. We are in fintech. We are in fintech. We are in all industries, but we are unknown. So this is a good uh, a finding. And um, besides that, we use all kinds of technologies, blockchain, AI, machine learning, CRISPR, robotics, virtual reality, augmented reality. We, are, we use all of them. Uh, we are IoT. We are, we are not just uh, doing uh, data uh, or we are not data scientists only. We are uh, using all of them, but in a small scale because we are very few that are uh, uh, promoting or, or launching this kind of, of projects. And this is and the, the companies that women are launching are companies that are smaller and have problems to find, uh, these are the barriers, uh, financing. Uh, we, mm, we, we, uh, we have a case of in Silicon Valley uh, in which a woman had to, to, to find a fake founder in order to obtain uh, uh, financing uh, to go to the pitch uh, rounds because they were not investing on them. And then Stanford University made a track uh, study and they found out that there was a, a, a bias when women uh, were going to this, this pitch. And why? Because we as humans have a machine learning, the amygdala in our brain, and we find the things that are familiar are the good things. And then what they did is that they, 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 uh, they, they are correcting this because most of the investors are men, 93% of the investors are men. And now there's a movement of women investors um, men are more sensible sensitive to this kind of they they hear deeply the the projects of women especially solo women uh, to to see and to cut these barriers inspiration uh, uh, we we were really good at influencing our, our government the, in fact with this study the government approved 52 million euros help for projects for women entrepreneurs. So we are changing the world. This is very important. And um, for women who are more than, for projects of entrepreneurship, yesterday that are more than 50 years, another amount. And this is these are good news because you have the normal helps of financing and then specific help for women. And this is very helpful because normally women, first, they don't reach the, the, the financial scores or projections that men have because when women business models are uh, settled, uh, they find difficulties uh, when they are in pre-series A, they find difficulties to find this uh, financing. Uh, so uh, this is the point where the help is coming. Then that's that's is fantastic, Teresa. Congratulations on, on being effective in raising that much money. I think it's, it's quite remarkable. And you remind me of uh, a, a couple, there's a, so there's some um, two female founders that we've done some work with in Australia who went to uh, a prop tech event in Singapore. They were the only women there uh, and they were probably the oldest in the room as well. So the room was full. They said the room was full of, you know, 30-year-old, 35-year-old um, uh, men who were into prop tech. 
nobody spoke to them and I I, I found that r- remarkably difficult to believe uh, yeah. but you know absolutely take them at their word um Francisca and Rebecca I'd love to find out as female entrepreneurs um have you found any resistance um and um, I know that you've both been interviewed by Teresa for uh as part of the research so maybe if we can go into a little bit of the the answers um and and the findings that you had the enlightenment potentially that you had out of the out of the discussion with Teresa um and any issues that you have come across as female entrepreneurs maybe you haven't I'm not sure so Francisca I might throw to you first yeah sure I mean I I have to say I really love being a, a female and I love being a female in this space because I do think you know the work that Teresa is doing is so important and and we can be role models in what we do and we can we, we, in a very feminine way, we can show the world that we got this and, and women are naturally really good leaders. I've only had a few moments. I remember one time I'm, I'm also on the board of an organization called Entrepreneurs Organization. And to be a part, a member in that organization, you have to have a certain revenue in your business. And so the, the, again, the percentage of women is very low across the board. It's less than 15% globally. And I remember I was at an event in San Diego for this organization and I walked into the room and naturally there was mainly guys there. They thought that I'm the wife of a guy who is in the organization. So for me, it was like, no, I am in this organization. I have a business that qualifies and, you know, nice to meet you. So, and then usually guys straight away will turn and they're like, oh, cool. You know, I've, I've actually found, even though maybe some of the perception was like, oh, you must be the wife of someone <laughs> that is yeah. a part of this club. Yeah. Once they realized that, that I am the person that is, is a member and running a successful business or businesses, the support has been great. I actually found that that I've had really great support from guys also and women. And I, in in short, I love being a woman in this space, and I love to to show that we can we can run a business without being masculine. We can do this in our own unique way, very successfully, even more successfully sometimes. So I love what I love what you said then, particularly about um, you don't the the openness um, as a female and being accepted. But why do you think there's that shortage of women in the first place? So 15% is not a, a great percentage um, of people in the organisation. It's a fantastic organisation. I've been involved with it. I, I love it. You know, I think it's a wonderful place to be, um, and the support that you get is quite remarkable. But why do you think it's only 15%? It's probably something that Rebecca can talk to also. I think what probably historically still happened is that women often, they they do run businesses, but either there's a lack of confidence to reach that revenue level or they've had children and then they stayed at home, which is changing now. I mean, as you know, I've just had a, a baby and I'm still able to run my businesses because my partner is very supportive. And so I feel like there's a combination of, of the confidence that is lacking and Teresa probably has more data on that too. And secondly, also just career-wise, maybe having children has maybe not enabled them to work on their businesses in a way to scale it. And I think it's changing though. In Sydney here, we are aiming for 33% of women membership. So we have a whole bunch of women here that are helping to drive that membership to get more women supporting women. So I think it's a combination, but that might be something actually that Rebecca might have a bit more intel on too. 
Um, I, um, I agree in terms of the scaling. I think often women step into businesses because they've, you know, potentially become mothers and it's, it, they see it as a small business um, and, and to, to, you know, manage around on a part-time basis around family. But I think the second big thing, because not all women start businesses because of that, you know, we do want to build empires and, you know, employ large numbers of people. I think that then comes down to the accessibility of funds to be able to scale and grow. Um, so, I mean, obviously we know 2.6% of women get venture, um, you know, venture capital. Um, and I've just come through that process. It was incredibly difficult and long-winded. Would a man have had a different experience? I don't know because I can't go back and relive that. Uh, you know, I did have pe people at the time saying, if you had a male co-founder, things would be easier. You should go to America and raise over there because, you know, they're, you know, far more broader minded um, and, you know, see startups differently to Australia. Again, you know, I, I don't have those as comparisons. I have brought on, uh, not specifically a co-founder, but a, C a male CTO. Mm -hmm. And from my experience of the first time of going into a seed raise to um, the second time, so one was pre-COVID and one was post-COVID in 2020, I have had a different experience, um, but I must say I have male um, investors. Um, the majority of my investors are male and they are absolutely incredible, really, really supportive. Um, gender has never, ever been a question or an issue. Um, I'm a female solo founder with no non-tech um, that hasn't been an issue. So you know, I think accessibility to um, capital, whether that's loans or funding of any sort, is potentially the barrier to how women are able to scale their business. And I think, yes, sorry, you know, aligned with what you say is that uh, what we found in the study is that uh, uh, women entrepreneurs do it because they have a purpose, it's not to find uh, self-employment, when we talk about digital entrepreneurship, it's not when we talk about entrepreneurship in general. When we talk about entrepreneurship, it's because they, they want, uh, they, they have been working 10 years in a corporation or five, six years in somewhere in a company, and they find that they need to do something outside using technology because they find uh, opportunities. So, uh, and what we found as Stanford found another Boston Consulting Group in delivering through diversity and other studies, is that uh, the projects of women are more profitable, are more solvent. They pay back the, the, the credits uh, sooner and last longer. So investors are looking at the data and they are now uh, putting money in these projects. So. But the thing is that still they are uh, small. When we compare men and women, we see that in the first three years, women are very little uh, scaling, growing. But in the fourth, fifth, they, they jump very quickly. Is when they find the, the, the pre-series A. And this is very important. And women entrepreneurs are all kind of, of education. They're engineers, but they are psychologists. They are uh, historic. They have a study history. They have a study all kind, they find the partner that complement them. Imagine that there is one tech, they find someone of, of uh, I don't know, marketing. Uh, if they are not tech, uh, they find someone tech. They complement each other and launch the, the project. 
sorry. <laughs> no, I no, go Yes. No, I think that's fantastic to, um, for our audience to hear as well. And, and it is known. You, you actually just, um, you actually stated something that I was going to ask uh, or something that we're aware of is that, um, is that a, a startup that has a female founder in there is more likely to, to continue and to have that longevity for many reasons. Um, so in the tech world, um, Rebecca, how have you, so you've just employed a, a chief technical officer. How have you fared um, in the tech world? Because theoretically it's something that, you know, we're not seen um, to be good at. And, and, and I would argue that just because uh, a lot of females may not have studied engineering because there is still a lack of engineer um, uh, applicants in, in most of the universities. I think when my son went through, there were five females and 47 males in, in the class, which is like such a disparity in numbers uh but how did you how did you do the tech so to speak uh where did you go to do the tech for for trio well prior to christian the cto coming on board i was aligned to accelerators so i'd, I'd been through an accelerator that's how i got trio off the ground at the very beginning and to be honest i've looked sort of looked back and thought if i'd known how hard the last three years were going to be would i have done it Yes, I would, because I truly believe that I can make an impact and can really change the way people um, are treated and their experience in the workplace when they go through life events and transitions. So, you know, talking to your point, Teresa, I think women particularly do come into um, business as a whole because they want to change something or they, they see an opportunity or they want to do something better. Um, so prior to Christian, I was on an accelerator. Um, so I really ha had my hand held that whole way. Since Christian's come on board, um, I, I think we just work really well because I don't have any blinkers around what tech can and can't do. I just say, we need to figure out to do this. I want this to happen. How do we do it? So it kind of forces him to think outside the box. Um, and so far, this has worked really, really well. I understand the problem intimately. I understand the clients and what they're going to buy. I understand the pain points of the users um, and the organization. So, you know, I've kind of got the idea of how we can fix this problem, but I'm not confined by knowing what tech, that, what tech can and can't do. So I just sort of position it and then he goes away and works with our sort of extended tech team around well, what you know how do we fix this problem how you know what can we do um and so far that's actually worked really really well i love that you have you have the vision and everything and you go go and make it work <laughs> which is yeah I, I very much relate to that my sometimes my developers look at me and go you want it to what <laughs> anyway okay um francisco what about you in the so you um a, a lot of the work that you do um with basic bananas is online uh, particularly lately, clearly uh, in the in the world of COVID, um, as far as the tech aspect goes, do you control that? Where do you go to 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 find the answers to the tech puzzles? Yeah, one one thing that I that I'm probably known for is <laughs> I'm a mega outsourcer, so I'm not the tech person at all, and I have again I have ideas and I know what I would like to happen but I'm not the one to implement, especially the tech part. So I, I find that one of the most important things for me personally as an entrepreneur is to always find the right people to work with and to not do everything because then we are able to also look after family and, and have you know spare time and go surfing, whatever we want to do, write a book. So I have people on my team 
developers that do all the tech part and often you know i might say hey i'd like to do that and then sometimes they even come back with something better they're like well how about you know for, for some of the member access and the members experiences to consume the content that we have now we had to do a lot of work on our tech part because before we were quite in the in the analog world a lot of face-to-face -face training and now everything had to be put virtually in a way that is is a great way to consume this content so a lot of the stuff sometimes comes from developers that go hey i think we could also do it this way to have a better user experience so outsourcing for me is one of my superpowers <laughs> i love that we often talk about the superpowers and the superheroes Teresa, oh, yeah. what the research what has that shown around where female tech female founders in the tech world where do we actually go for assistance uh, can you repeat the question? So yes. where do, who, who does the coding? Who helps with the tech aspect? So a female founder often has me, a, a yeah. fantastic idea. Yeah, okay. Let me tell you one thing. There is an emerging movement in Europe uh, to promote women in coding and in tech. Uh, there are cultural barriers, but I don't know if it happens in Australia, mm. but when women are uh, in at school, when they are seven years old, six years old, uh, they think that they are not that good in maths. It's one of the studies that emerged. And uh, it's because uh, and when you go in secondary school, you need to choose sciences or, or other kind of topics. Uh, engineers are men. So this kind of cultural thing needs to be uh, uh, diluted, no? So that everybody is capable of doing uh, what they want. So uh, it has to do with the education of professors at school with family uh, with family beliefs uh, that have been beliefs uh, for many 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 years and we need to influence them so uh, in a way that we provide with these cases like yours uh, and they know that if, if they have a dream they can fulfill it but when they are at school but the thing is that uh, when you talk to entrepreneurs uh, 99% of them are inspired by other entrepreneurs or because they have in, the fa in their family, someone who is engineer, eh, the woman, someone who is entrepreneur, the mother or the father. That's how it works. Someone close to them, a friend of the family who is entrepreneur. In most of the cases, it, it works that way. But they are not inspired by a teacher, by at school, at university, very few, very, very few are inspired by them. So we have a lot of work to do in, in that area. Besides, if you watch television, uh, cartoons, uh, series, you don't see any woman like you as a, a main character. Do you see an entrepreneur? Do you see any woman uh, engineer? Do you see any coder who is, or do you see the mother in the kitchen, which is really, uh, good because i like to be also in the kitchen i like cooking but we do other stuff we use our brains for other things so uh, there is a lot of things there are a lot of things to do in many in many let's say uh, fields in communication in education and uh, cultural change and this comes from all the society so that and it provides when you provide with these cases like yours like the book i wrote uh, people, yes, I didn't know, big presidents, I didn't know there were cases like this. This is amazing. Where did you find them? I found them because they exist. But when you are in a company, in a corporation, you just take what you have close to you. And what you have close to you is 
are the projects and are led more, mainly by men. So I, I do the same. Why talk to to do whatever with Christina? <laughs> because she's the one who I have closest, the closest, no? So this kind of, uh, let's say, uh, uh, paths that are shorter sometimes are not the best because you need to, to go deeper. Yeah, I like that. And there is this issue in schools um, in Australia as well. And we have somebody on our faculty who runs uh, an organization called Tech Girls of Superheroes uh, and encourages, goes into schools and encourages girls to do the maths and the science and the physics and the chemistry and get into engineering and getting to coding and, and all of that. Um, Francisca and Rebecca, what was your experience at school? Uh, were you like fond of the sciences and of maths. I know that um, when I went to school, I was a three unit maths geek, but ended up um, dropping it because I was put off by the teacher um, and the same with my science career. I don't know, how, how did you, what did you find at school? Well, I, I certainly had um, male teachers in all of those subjects. And I really do resonate, Teresa, when you say, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And I think that's problematic from school all the way through to leadership roles. And I think you, when you flip that on the head as well, when you look at the volume of um, investors that are men that would that be able to support women entrepreneurs, um, typically, you know, we, we look for similarities right so you know men will feel more comfortable investing in men that perhaps they can relate to um similarly when we're you know um graduating or we're choosing our university degrees you know if you go and have a look at a degree and you know 80 percent are boys um and you've been in sort of um science classes with 80 percent boys you know th this is where it's difficult i think to get girls and women to stay in these um these roles and then what, just one thing, when you, we talk about technology companies, often they, women leave not just because they have babies, but they leave before that because they don't feel they belong. Because it's such a tech boys environment, work environment, you know, ping pong tables, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, you, it, the, it, the whole environment of work is, you know, more concrete, hard and cold as opposed to more feminine. So even the working environments, we've, we've kind of got it wrong the whole way through that we don't really appeal to or make girls or women feel that they belong in these environments. And I think that's why we have such a big drop off. Yeah, I, I personally, I loved math. I was really good at math. I didn't like physics too much and chemistry, but I loved biology. I loved mathematics. But I, I'm going to say something maybe a little bit controversial and it might not even be true. I feel like the skills that I have that are not the tech skills, but more the, the, the softer skills are helping me to be a better entrepreneur. And it, I'm saying this also because we've just launched a company called Data People in January, and we do data and analytics consulting. And so now I work with a lot of guys that are super tech nerds. And again, there are hardly any women in this space. And these tech guys, they would not be able to run a business. I tried to, I tried to have a partner that is a tech guy and it didn't work out because the, the way that they are thinking didn't work in terms of, of running a company, the skills that you need to have to run a company. So I actually, this might not be, uh, uh, you know, generically true, but I, in my opinion, I feel that sometimes having different skills that are not the tech skills help you to be an entrepreneur and then you have to hire people with those 
skills. I totally concur with that because that has been my history. Um, and Teresa, when you said that people come from families of entrepreneurs, my grandfather was the, the biggest entrepreneur. My, uh, my uncle was an innovator. Uh, and my, my father was always one of the first that did something. So, yeah. I, you know, I was very blessed to grow up with two, with a mother and a father that were very much involved in the business world. Um, I'll come back to you in a minute, Teresa, for your experience. But Re Rebecca and Francisco, where did your yearning to become an entrepreneur um, come from? Did you have role models? Was it something that was innate in you? Where, did, where How did you come to be in the places that you are? Rebecca, I'll go to you first. Um, I didn't really have a role model in sort of a, from an entrepreneurial perspective. My um, journey really came from seeing that um, women were falling out of the workplace and at the peak of their career and were literally, you know, were picking up, you know, other jobs or, you know, doing their own businesses. But it was such an unnecessary thing to be happening. And I knew I could plug that gap. So it kind of came from an you know an, a need that I saw that I could or that I wanted to fix from an equality perspective because I was a, a new parent at the time and I knew that I was still ambitious um, and I'd actually experienced pregnancy discrimination which is how I'd sort of fallen out from the corporate world and then sort of became you know sort of into this self-employed entrepreneurial space um, but it, yeah, it, that's how it sort of stemmed from. Um, and if it wasn't for the accelerator that held me from being non-tech and sort of creating a tech business, I don't know that I could have been here um, that way. But, you know, I, I would like to point out that I do also think being female is a superpower. I completely concur, Francesca. It's really, it, you know, from when you're hiring, when you're managing people and managing teams, I think being female in that space um, is is yeah it's incredible it's incredible and we definitely do bring something different to the table. Yeah, I agree. For me, how I fell into entrepreneurship is that I've always struggled with authority in school. Parents like I've I've always struggled with authority and I've always struggled with with people doing things in a way that I found is not is not the most efficient way. I've always had jobs when I was a kid. I was working in a winery, cleaning their fountains and mowing lawns. And I always found like, why are we not doing this better? And then when I was working in advertising, same thing, I'm like, this is just not, we can do this so much more efficiently. And so I always knew when I was at university, even I always said, one day I will run my own business. I never knew what it was going to be, but I knew that that was the only future for me to make me happy. And then when I started looking at what I wanted to do in terms of my own businesses, my only and main, not only, but really the number one criteria to look into what business I get into is always it has to make a positive impact. If it doesn't make a positive impact, if it's just about money, I have zero interest in either investing or running the business. So that's so struggles with authority and then picking something that I knew makes a positive impact that I can stand behind. Love that. Absolutely. Um, Teresa, how did you get into the world of entrepreneurship? I know you have a medical background. Um, what drew you into all the work you do with women in technology? Uh, uh, so thank you for the question. So I am a medical doctor, but when I finished my studies, uh, I went to I, I went to a company to work because I didn't like uh, a lot the, 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 the practice with patients. 
and I studied an MBA, a full-time MBA, and started working in L'Oréal, Chez L'Oréal Paris, in marketing department. So uh, this comes uh, from the fact that I've been a, a executive for, for for 20 years, and I was the only woman always in the in the committees and in the uh, in the boardroom, etc. So uh, when I was the executive of a, a cable company, the last executive position I had, uh, many women came to me because they wanted to launch it to launch their projects, and they say, please, can you help me? Uh, to launch my brand because I launched several brands and several businesses and I said yes uh, how can I do a strategic plan so I realized there was a need and then I created the association so that people can volunteer to help and mentor a different kind of woman depending on their background or needs so that 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 is how my interest uh, came and I I saw such amazing woman with such a lot of talent that were not known. And I said, how can this be possible? So I said, we have to do something. So that's why we join forces together. And I, I met you and I said, Christine, you have to join this movement and you and you and you, we have to be together because we are stronger together to show the world that we can do it, even though we are not techie. And uh, in the background, because I always have learned uh, a lot of stuff uh, about tech. I had a lot of interest uh, in knowing how it works. Other kind of stuff is the vision and how to, to run the business and these soft skills Francesca and Rebecca were talking about. Um, there are some many good women uh, in tech, really amazing. Now we have an exit of one woman who had a data company and uh, it, it has just uh, uh, been sold to a very good corporation uh, and there are really good women, but uh, as I mentioned before, unknown. So we have to emerge this uh, talent and which is going to inspire and, and build the path uh, for women at school and children uh, who can see that's what I want. And there's someone who has done it that inspired them and say, I'm not the weird person who has this idea, uh, who wants to implement this project. There is someone that has the same uh, purpose than me. And there is a path already built with, in which I can walk and, and improve it and, um, and make a better society. We, we, because when the society and the projects are balanced with women, men, uh, intergenerational uh, uh, backgrounds uh, with different ages, cultures, the companies work much better, but you need a strong leadership because uh, people are not going to say the same things, the same solutions. Uh, things are going to be, uh, you need to, to, to have a lot of, uh, to be a very good leader in order to gather this good knowledge and, and align it with the vision so that it, it becomes uh, so strong and, and, and competitive in a way. Yeah, I love that. And it's an absolute honor to work with you on the um, as part of the International Advisory Board. So it's been wonderful, the relationship that we've had since we first met at an SU event several years ago now. Um, I think what we're all saying really is that it, as long as the, the starting point, as long as we can all lift off from an equal starting point and then go into whatever aspect of entrepreneurship, uh, which role we want to play. I think that's the that's the crucial factor, not only in this arena, but in many arenas. I'd like to, um, you know, it's been wonderful spending time with you all during this podcast. I'd love it if you would leave our listeners with one final thought around 
female entrepreneurship, uh, uh, potentially in the digital world or just, just as, a, as a female entrepreneur, what would you advise uh, some of our listeners with as, as a final comment? Rebecca, I'll go to you first. Um, well, I would say that everything is possible and don't give up and don't be embarrassed or afraid to ask for help. Love it. It's very short, sharp, sweet. And, and I love what you said about the accelerator. Francisca? Oh, Francisca, you're on mute. There we go. <laughs> My final thought is, is a call to action. And the call to action is for us all to support fellow women and to buy from women in business. I love supporting small businesses by buying from them rather than going to large corporations. And so if we all support women in business, we cheer them on. And we also as entrepreneurial women can lead as role models and, and also lead our next generations by being the epic women that we are in this space. Thank you. And a final word from you, Teresa. Yeah, a final word is uh, don't be afraid of failing. Uh, learn from that and uh, go go ahead. And we are inspirational not only for women, we are also inspirational for, for men. And this is what I found in all the talks we had last year with presidents that are male uh, of the huge corporations. Uh, when I said this is inspirational for women, for the next generation of women entrepreneurs, and they say not, not only for women, you're inspiring us. And I think this is important that these things, that things are changing and we have to be there and uh, people are appreciating this effort that we are doing to emerge your projects and my projects, uh, because I'm also an entrepreneur, uh, that uh, can in a way contribute to, to this uh, agenda 2030 and improve uh, the, the world using technology, but as a tool. Because the important thing is to have the vision and to have the purpose and to, to have uh, a, a vision of what problem you want to solve. So and it comes from, from the deep of your heart and you put a lot of energy and passion that you just uh, go for it and accomplish your, your, your dreams. So go for your dreams. <laughs> Thank you. And it's all about, isn't it, creating, creating that legacy, leaving the world a better place um, than it was when we came into it and working really hard to, to achieve those sustainable development goals. Rebecca Granger, Francisca Rizzoli and Teresa Alacos, it has been my absolute honour and pleasure to spend this time with you this afternoon. Thank you to all our listeners. Uh, please, if you like this podcast, share it. Uh, and we look forward to your company again. And Teresa, I think I just saw your hand go up. Do you have a final yes. comment? Yes, just one thing. The book uh, I wrote about this uh, top woman is going to be in English uh, next October. So I will let you know so that uh, uh, you can read uh, a lot of stuff about uh, women all over the world from the five continents talking about their projects and how to reach a corporation, how to build bridges from ecosystems to corporations. So I thank you very much. It was amazing being with you and learning from your experiences. Thank you. And we'll definitely highlight the book and promote the book when it comes out in English. Uh, for any Spanish readers, you can uh, order it straight away. Thank you, everyone. I uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Inspired for Impact. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye. Thank you for having us.